everyone, and thanks for listening in. Welcome to Leading Well, where we get to know leaders and how they make it happen. I'm your host, Tim Davis. And I'm his co-host, Alyssa. Let's uh, meet our first guest today, uh, Buddy Puckett. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me here. Yeah, good. Uh, hey, so what is it that you do? Yeah, I'm a I'm a sales coach, so I've been coaching for a long time, and yep. yeah, okay, yeah. Well, we just usually try to dive right in and uh, take you back to childhood, and uh, so uh, for Buddy, what it was childhood like? Where'd you grow up? That type of thing. Yeah. So I grew up in the big city of Primeville, Oregon. Ooh, <laughs> major metropolis. Huge. Yeah, it's out in the middle of nowhere. So it's funny. Some people don't even know where Primeville's at, but I always say it's a great place to, to be from. Like my mom, <laughs> yeah, my mom said that from the time I was old enough to know better, I just couldn't wait to leave. I don't know why. I mean, I loved growing up there, hmm. you know, hunting, fishing, doing outdoor stuff as you do, uh, sports, but then I couldn't wait to leave. And so when I was 17, I left home and I uh, went to college. Yep. Neat. Yeah. yeah. Out of yeah. state or? I went to a little college in Coos Bay called Southwestern Oregon Community College. Uh, I met my wife there. Awesome. We dated for about four and a half years, got married, and we're still married. So Good for you. Yeah, that's where life began for me. Yeah. So like uh, childhood, you know, you're hunting and fishing, uh, you know, you did you get in any trouble? What what was what was life like a little bit? You know? Trouble. Hmm. Yes, Tim, you know me, so <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just know. sharing, you know, I mean, you had two parents that stayed together, lo- yeah. loved each other, you yeah. know, but just giving a little more context to what childhood or middle school or high school might have looked like for Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mom and dad were married for 49 and a half years before my mom passed away. I had great parents who loved me. Mm. Uh trouble yeah i i was a i was uh a kid who liked to get in trouble or maybe i just hung around kids who uh talked me into getting in trouble <laughs> so maybe they were leading me well in the wrong direction oh there you go i don't know <laughs> there we go so i remember in sixth grade me and two of my buddies we were staying uh staying the night with one of my friends and we sneak out of the house somewhere around one in the morning and we're riding our bikes downtown pranville and the cops see us, and we yep. run. Well, they <laughs> caught us. That was the first time I called my dad from jail. So, oh, wow. Yeah, uh. and that would continue where uh, I did sports. I did baseball, uh, and then high school I did more football, wrestling. Wrestling was my sport that I did mostly. Mm. What I would say I started drinking probably middle school. I guess you'd call it junior high back then. <laughs> yeah. But just had opportunities to um, drink, maybe smoke marijuana. Oh, yeah. Okay. Interestingly enough, and you're one of those kids. Well, <laughs> I, I didn't think so, but apparently mm-hmm. I was as mm-hmm. I look back. But in high school, I noticed that after football and wrestling got over, I had this. I, I was working. I worked at a grocery store, but I had a lot of free time, and drinking became one of those things I began to do. And so, throughout high school, I think. When I was 15, I got a minor in possession. Mm. At 17, I got a DUI. And so drinking became a, a problem in my life. I didn't see it as a problem because I wasn't an alcoholic. I, I wasn't drinking every weekend, but every time I did drink, mm. something bad happened. <laughs> so maybe there's a problem here. Yeah. <laughs> went on to college and then, uh, like I said, I went to Southwestern Oregon Community College in Coos Bay and then moved up to Western Oregon State College, WASC at the time. Right. And uh, continued to get in trouble there. 
uh, got another minor possession. But then after college, uh, I'd been dating Sean for four and a half years. Like, hmm, well, I guess it's time to get married. And so that really caused me to grow up because mm. I can remember literally the first year living in Bend. Uh, I was going, hey, honey, I'm going out with my buddies tonight. We're going partying. She's like, I don't think so. <laughs> well, I don't know what you mean. You know, I literally <laughs> didn't get it. I got it. Yeah. It, it was a come to Jesus moment. And yeah. I never really did that again. Mm. That was the moment where, mm. huh, I can either stay married or I can choose <laughs> drinking. Right. And I'll just say it this way. A lot of my friends, because we had this pack, me and my buddies, we were going to hang out together forever. And we're yeah. going to party Ride or we die. die. Yeah. Ride or die. <laughs> well, and each one gets married. And, you know, it's sad to say, I think each one had, had gone through a divorce. Mm-hmm. Again, divorce happens, so not, it's not judgment can happen to anybody. But I think that would have happened to me if I hadn't made some changes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 Okay, if you think if the the pact of marriage isn't stronger than your best your pact with your buddies, like then we probably got <laughs> some other issues. So, right. but, but I think that's the challenge with a lot of men. Yes, mm-hmm. they, they still want to live the single life and you know just have the luxury of being married and, and the benefits of being married and having kids, but still live this quasi mm. um, single life. It's extremely selfish. I know that I'm extremely selfish, so I have to God give me a wife to be married to reduce my selfishness. There you go. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, so I, I know, I mean, you're one of my best friends. We spend a lot of time together. Yeah. I'm grateful for, of course, uh, tons of investment in my life uh, over the last 20 years and, you know, on a weekly basis. But uh, so I know some of this stuff, but I want, you know, others to to know too. So I know like, uh, you know, maybe one of your first, maybe more real jobs was you worked at Les Schwab, right? Yeah, for, yeah. Know, and then uh, what did work look like from there and mm. then maybe towards what you're up to, you know, today between mortgage and coaching and yeah. all that stuff? Well, here's what I want to thank my parents for. Uh, my dad and mom taught me the value of hard work. Mm. So from an early age, changing pipe, mowing yards, whatever it was, I was going to work. You're either playing sports or you're working, so that was the rule I had with my <laughs> girls too. It was like, Pick a lane, man. But uh, during college, I worked at Les Schwab. Uh, during the summer months, I would go back home to Primeville and, and log. So I did a lot of logging those, get up at 3 in the morning, drive two hours, log all day. You know, it was great money. But I was working part-time at Les Schwab. And so after college, it's like, what do you do? I have a business degree. I do call it a BS degree, but uh, <laughs> whoops. Uh, what do you do? Uh, I guess I'll go work for Les Schwab full-time. So I worked for Les Schwab full-time. So I was a total of about 11 years, but seven years full-time. And I did that. So Les Schwab taught me a lot of great uh, work ethic, you know, good character, clean shaving, short hair. So I love that. But there was a day in time where I, I just kept asking these clients of mine, like, hey, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And I was ready to make a transition. Right. And uh, long story short, I interviewed with a uh, a mortgage guy uh, back in 1998. I just finally committed. I'm leaving. And so in March 3rd, 1998, I came a, became a mortgage guy, and I didn't even know how to spell mortgage. Right. So mortgage. <laughs> mor- mortgage, uh, yeah. So uh, that's been really my career for 25 years. Right. Uh, I also now coach as well, but... That's really been my career. I love, I love people. I mean, yeah. you you know me, Tim, and I know yeah. you. You're up early, meet with people as I am. Yeah. Uh, I, I 
it's just something I love the flexibility of the mortgage industry and being a coach, really impacting people's lives. That's what matters most to me. And it doesn't matter what time you want to meet. If it's 5 a.m. or whenever, I'm ready. Yeah. And so that Les Schwab didn't let me do that. So I had to leave Les Schwab. Right. Uh, I worked probably every Saturday. I probably in, in 10 years, I probably had off less than five Saturdays. And so that had to go. Yeah. But, but it also takes courage and bravery, right? Because like there's, okay, I'm making decent money per hour for my age and whatever. And, and I've got some benefits and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then there is that cap, so to speak, right? There's yeah. a pay scale that's not going to dramatically increase, and, yeah. you know, and so on. So, yeah. Well, back, uh, so I was making a whopping 12 bucks an hour in 1998. Mm. Uh, my wife, we had a new baby. So Emily was born a year before, and so she was never going to go back to work. She was going to be a stay-at-home mom. 12 bucks an hour. Wasn't going to get it done. It doesn't pay the bills. So what I was doing on the side, I would buy and sell trucks. I love to buy and sell things. Okay. I don't know why. I just yeah. love that. And so I would buy one a month, literally. Uh, so for one, because my wife had had a baby, wasn't going back to work. And so for that next year, every month I bought a new, not new, but a used truck, Toyotas. I love Toyota trucks. Okay. And I would flip those for the next year, yeah. every month, and then finally answered ad to get in the mortgage business. And um, I was scared, you know, going on commission only. Mm. Yeah, and fear, fear can be a great tool as a, you know to drive you to go do something. You don't want to live in fear, but being fearful uh, will cause you to move forward. Um, and so I didn't have an option. My wife didn't work; it was do or die. And so. It's been a great career. It's given me lots yeah. of flexibility. It's, it's when I met the Lord also. Mm-hmm. That was a transition when I'm 28 years old. I kind of grew up in church, but I don't know who the Lord is. And uh, my buddies from Les Schwab, we, we were going to get rich. You know, we put a bunch of money in the stock market. I don't know, five grand. <laughs> Six months later, it was literally gone. Yeah. We'd lost it. And so they, these two guys go, hey, you want to just do a Bible study? I'm like, Okay. And so that was really, yeah. I love that. That's the the man. We lost five grand. We should start a bubble study. That's exactly. That's what it felt like. Exactly. So, yeah. The wrong thing. Yeah. 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 But hmm. that's how God works, and that's how He worked in my life. And it's been a lot of growing up since then. He's still working on me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's awesome though. So some of our listeners are maybe in that same spot. Yeah. They've got a, a job that's getting it done, but they have desires for for more and that type of thing. I mean, any other piece of advice that you'd give them? I've heard statistics that say that over 60% of the people actually hate their job. And so if you hate your job, why would you want to stay? But out of fear, people stay where they're at. And so fear becomes a driver for them to stay put. What a, that's not the way we want to live. Right. But that, that's where people live inside their comfort zone. Life is outside the comfort zone. And while it might be, fearful to go change careers and try something new, isn't it better than staying put and hating where you work? Mm. So I would say, well, a couple things. Find a mentor that will encourage you and challenge you to think differently. I don't think I had a mentor when I was 23, newly married. That probably would have done me some good. I'm pretty (laughs) sure. (laughs) But, you know, I stayed at Le Schwab because, well, that's what I knew. That's the thing I knew. Yeah. I didn't hate Les Schwab. I loved working for Les Schwab. I just knew it wasn't wasn't for me. I wasn't going to be moving to a different city every three years, 
to a new state. It's not what I wanted. I wanted mm. something different. So I would say if you're struggling with where you work, find a mentor. Call Tim Davis. <laughs> call Buddy Puckett. Yeah. There you, go. you know, go grab an early morning coffee. And so be challenged by somebody that's been through that before. And uh, I love to challenge people. And I know, Tim, you do as well. Sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. Was it kind of a satisfying uh, motion for you to go through? I think you know you went to college. You said you got a, a degree in business, and then you worked at Les Schwab, likely not in the working in the business type mindset for for those seven years or eleven years. Sorry, um, what was it like to go to mortgage? And like, does your degree like has that impacted the way that you do what you like did there? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I'm glad I went to college. I'm glad I got a degree. I'll just say it that way. Yeah. But. What I learned in college was antiquated. It was old. It was outdated. I was reading books that were probably 20 years old. Mm. So getting into the real world, what I loved about, what well, I think the thing I learned in college mostly was learn how to write better. Communication. Communication is the thing that we need most. Mm. I learned how to communicate better in college. So that I will take with me. Right. But as far as business goes... I can't say I learned much, and maybe I learned more than I thought, but it didn't help me change tires at Le Schwab. <laughs> yeah. In the mortgage right. industry, mortgagees, you know, learning how to talk, uh, loan to value, right. debt ratios, credit scores, giving advice on when to buy a home, when to sell a home, what the economic factors are. Either they taught that stuff in college, and I wasn't paying attention, or they didn't teach it. I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's part of the problem. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, I think uh, there's there's merit, like you had said, in in the degree. There's uh, other things that maybe aren't as directly understandable, but uh, discipline and and finishing, you know, is is uh, th- those are also characteristics that you, in a mild way, continue to carry forward regardless of whether it was actually math or science that helped you in your career, you know? And so, and I, I, I would agree that I don't think college is for everybody. Hmm. Uh, there's certainly certain segments and occupations that licensing and degrees are required. So absolutely. Right. But, yeah. uh, but, uh, at the same time there, it's not for everybody. And, and, uh, we live in the greatest nation on on earth and mm-hmm. there's i say this all the time there's a million ways to make a living you know with some innovation and some hard work you know so yeah i think you can get a a youtube degree on the weekend you can read a great book go to a great seminar you can learn stuff in a weekend that might take you four years to learn in college right mm-hmm. uh yeah college great if you go to college that's awesome yep. it's not for everybody i think you can get a um you can learn different ways. One thing about Les Schwab, I don't think Les Schwab graduated from the eighth grade. He wrote a book, uh, had a billion dollar company. He did okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so he treated people right. He knew he knew the power of relationships. Yep. Have you heard this before? Your net worth is your network. Or your mm. network is your net worth. Mm. So the Life at the speed of relationships. Like you and I, Tim, we have a great relationship with right. Sven. Yeah. Uh, we, I've got a guy friend I can meet with every single day of the of the week. Most guys don't have any friends or right. somebody they meet with on a weekly basis or they're transparent. But I would say for men, we got to become transparent, become real. You know, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another man. Hmm. So... 
it's all that. All that matters. And I'm not the most disciplined guy. I can be really lazy. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, for our listeners, like, I know this man, and it's, it can only be humility that says that because I would say you're far more disciplined than I am in areas. And so, yeah, anyway, I, maybe it's self-perception and, and, and all that. But, uh, yeah, I, I would highlight something you said. And whether you're male or female, you should have relationships uh, that you're giving permission to others to, you know, call you on your stuff, to whatever that might look like mm. to you. And and that might be difficult, but that's that's the beauty. That's how we grow. Like I'm talking right now. I'm not learning. So we're, we're not learning when we're talking. We're, right. we're typically learning when we're listening <laughs> or experiencing pain. Right. So, mm. yeah. yeah. Well, humility, you mentioned humility. It's a really big word, by the way. And I'm, I'm learning what humility is. You know, life teaches me every day, mm. a dose of humility. We don't arrive in humility. It's like my golf game. Whatever I did yesterday, maybe I had a great golf game. Today starts over, and so does life. Mm. And so humility, it's God's gift to us mm-hmm. if we'll accept it. And and I, you know, I, I haven't arrived. Tim, you haven't arrived. Alyssa, you haven't arrived. Nobody's arrived. Right. So, and if we think we've arrived, we've stopped learning. Yeah. And so I've been there before. Mm-hmm. Uh, God's taught me some good lessons there. So I, I try to remain humble. I try to keep learning and realize I don't have it all figured out. Mm. Right. Today's a new day, and whatever I did great yesterday, I I got to do it over again today. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. at least at least that's what my wife tells me. Right. Yeah. 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 There yeah. you go. There you go. Yep. Um. So who have been a couple of leaders or one? I guess it probably um in your life, and what's like something significant that they taught you? Leaders in my life. Well. One of them is right in front of me, Tim Davis. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tim and I are wired differently. He's the extrovert, a 10X extrovert. I'm more introverted. I can be extroverted if I need to. Um, Tim moves forward at a faster pace than I do. He's got the energy for relationships that I wish I had. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I operate within my realm, what I can do. I know my limitations, and as I got older, got older, as I'm getting older, I realize uh, energy is a big part of how I inter- interact with people. Mm. So I can't go 15-hour days like Tim. <laughs> uh, so I think what I learn from Tim, Sven, a bunch of bunch of different people is we're all wired differently, and I don't have to be Tim. Tim doesn't have to be me. Mm. Um, so I guess I learned from that. Is that kind of your question? Yeah. 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 Like, uh, and then maybe something that's more uh, straightforward or not academic, but that's the word that pops into my head. Like, what's a principle or a concept or a tool that, that and, and I know there's plenty in your life, but, you know, as we're talking, what are one or two of those things that as our listeners listen, like, well, this is something that really helped me move forward in life around whatever it was, managing mm. my time or people, yeah. you know, can you think of, can you think of one or two of those things? Well, your podcast being called leading well, mm. that's the question. Yep. It's a question. What is leadership? When did you know you're a leader? I've been thinking about that question because I thought you might ask me that question. Quite honestly yeah. is I don't know, mm. but I do know this. As I got married, we had kids my responsibility was to lead my wife first, and then also, as I had kids, we had kids lead, lead them as well. 
leading well and being the man I'm supposed to be is it's about asking better questions. I want to be a dad and I want to be a husband that actually uh, respects people, respects my wife and kids. And, and so I try to never tell my kids what to do or my wife what to do. I just ask better questions. I remember when my girls were probably probably early high school. Uh, they had a problem and, you know, I'm, I'm an all-wise father, so I give them my <laughs> wisdom. And the conviction was that God's like, why do you keep giving them your words? Why not give them mine? So those are some lessons I had to learn that God's word is better than my word. And so the book of Proverbs became a book that when Emily or Molly had challenges, we'd go to the scriptures and I'd stop answering the question. I just should point them to the word. And so those are things that's important to me. It's like never tell people when you can ask a question. People don't like to be told what to do, but people love to be asked questions. It engages their brain at a different level. If I tell you to do something, like, "Eh, I'm not going to do that. But if I go, hey, Tim, what would it be like if (laughs) da-da-da? And really allow you to own the question and the answer. Yeah. Because we can give people ownership. That is empowerment, and that's what people need. People don't need, need to be told what to do. The verse that goes with that would be, train up a child in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. Mm. Oftentimes as parents, we train up a child in the way we think, the way we think they should go, not mm-hmm. the way they should go, that God's right. ordained. The way, like, so just asking better questions. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a problem and I give you an answer, well, it's from my perspective, but what is what if it's not really what you needed to hear? Right. Um, so uh, you're in the 50s, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, okay. I'm old. I'm there officially old. I know you're younger than me, but uh, we're both in our 50s. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, the other thing that I think that I find about mentoring, and listen, maybe you, you think this too, is that it's rewarding to to invest in others or to mm-hmm. invest in a community, right? And so um, I think I'm at a stage in my life where where I think more about legacy than present, you know? And so I I want my efforts to matter, Right. And uh, I think you can really never go wrong in investing in people, you know. So maybe just prompting you as we're, you know, got a few minutes left on on what does that look like for your future and how do you see legacy or influence or whatever? You know, that's a, it's a great question. I don't want to focus. I mean, I, I do want to have my affairs in order for my wife and my kids. And I want to know that I made a difference in people's lives. But it's not like I'm chalking up to, hey, what's my legacy look like? Really, I only got today. I got this moment right now with you, Tim, you, Alyssa. We're having this little chat, and this is where I'm at. I'm presently here. So I think as I focus on being more present, Mm. then I'm not worried about what happened yesterday, what I didn't do, how that was going to affect my future self. So the legacy is, uh, did I impact people? Did I love people? Was I kind to people? Did I challenge people? Was I available for people? Did I show up? Because we know showing up changes everything. Yeah. And I'm not perfect at it, but I I try every day. Yeah. And so that's where I want to be, and uh, not too forward focused. Even though yes, I have to have a vision where I'm going. But then you reverse engineer that. You know, whatever that vision or legacy you look like. Well, then what what do I need to do today? Right. Well, today I need to be nice to people, go love on some people, <laughs> yeah, and be available, be transparent, <laughs> be honest with people. Um, yeah, 
And that's kind of where I leave it. I, it's simple. I'm a pretty simple dude, like you were saying. I'm not that smart, so I got to keep it pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good for you. Yeah. So uh, we're just about out of time. Is there any last minute nuggets that you you know a nugget that you want to share, or maybe uh, how can how can people get in touch with you? Yeah. You know, we'll, a couple thoughts. Um, I would challenge every man, specifically married men, but even if you're dating, you're getting engaged, you want to get married one day, begin to get mentored by an older man who's been down the road. Find somebody, not next year, today. Mm. You can call me, you can call Tim, but my number, 503-851-8031. You can text me, you can call me. I will answer your call. We will have a conversation because I care. Mm. Yeah. And and Buddy's too humble to say this, but he's also an incredibly plugged in, busy guy. And so to to be able to make yourself available to so many people is inspiring to me for sure too, you know? And so, yeah. Um, and if, uh, if you want to know more and beyond that, you could go to valormentoring.com and you can ask questions there we can plug you into buddy if you somehow missed the you're driving down the road and you missed the cell phone you know cell yeah, phone number or whatever for so, sure yeah. yeah thank you buddy for joining us on this episode today and thank you tim obviously for being here and being the host um thank you listeners for listening in and if you want to listen again our podcast and radio show airs every saturday at 11 a.m on kslm here in salem and you can also find us on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts Thank you for listening to Leading Well by Valor Mentoring. 